Welcome to episode 97 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me as always are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. That's me. It's Monday night, March 23rd. And tonight we're here to talk a little iZombie. And maybe a little more Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Some blanket Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles after uh, some troubling news today. Um... So before troubling news, housekeeping with Ian, troubling sharply. Am I that troubling? Is it, it's always good news. I I like to think of myself as as pleasant news. Housekeeping sharply. is the most positive thing you do on the show. Is it? I hear that I'm very positive. That's the feedback that our adoring fans have given me so far. You need to quit getting uh, feedback from your mom on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she says, Ian, you're so positive. Uh, she'd kill me if she thought that that was mom <laughs> voice. And the feedback that we like to get is usually on the Facebook page. You can get to the Facebook page. We have some new developments on McSauce.com, which is your one-stop shop for all McSauce propaganda. If you go to the Facebook page now, we have joined the current social media landscape. At the bottom of each post, there are but social media buttons you can share on Facebook and Twitter and Google+, um, Tumblr, email, all the usual suspects you can just hit one of those buttons it'll pop up a screen you can share them with your friends family you can share them with your enemies i don't care but it's really nice and streamlined and simple we're a little behind the times but i'm super excited about this so go to mcsauce.com right now busy we are busy go to mcsauce.com and check out some of the new features we also have the like button is finally on the page. You don't have to go to Facebook and type in a bunch of nonsense. You can just click the like button right on the Facebook That probably page. took too long to get up. <laughs> it did as well. And we also have our Twitter on the page right now. So you can scroll through and you can see all our tweets. I don't tweet a lot. Matt, you don't tweet a lot. But Paul is a Twitter maniac. Oh. Greg Capullo, writer of, or artist on Batman, is a Twitter maniac. I'm, I think I'm your pretty standard. Wait, Twitter, if Twitter, if I tweet something, it will show up on the Facebook page. That's how we have it set up now. That's pretty cool. So you can scroll to the bottom if you have it. You're just set up for now. After the podcast, I'm going to set both of you knuckleheads <laughs> oh, okay, up. Yeah. It's just me because I can't set you guys up because I need your permission. So by the time I you... I my permission. Thank you. By the time you hear this, everybody will be set up on the McSauce.com. At the bottom, you scroll down. If you haven't liked us already, if you aren't part of the 209 special people that have liked us, then join in. If you're part of the nameless rabble... Not nameless at all. There are pictures of some of the people that have liked no, us. The, the people that haven't liked us. Ah, yes. Nameless true. rabble. Yes, yes. Please join join the loyal followers here. So go to mixsauce.com and check out all the new developments that we have there. Go to iTunes and subscribe. It'll be sent right to your mobile device. You can stream us on Stitcher. You can also find the classic episodes on mixsaucepodcast.libsyn.com. 
And this week, if you've ever wondered, what does Paul sound like whenever he's not being told that he's an idiot by myself and Matt? Go to the Guest Room Podcast and you can listen to him talk to Larry about the long Halloween, some other interesting stories about how you got into comic books, your feelings on... Talk some Green Lantern. Green Lantern. You also some Star Trek. And all we, we turned to Star Trek with Larry. Larry's a huge Star Trek guy. He is a huge Star Trek guy. He was talking about the nerdier that it is, the better he likes it. I was going to call him a a podcast homewrecker on Twitter today, <laughs> but podcast I don't mistresses. <laughs> but I don't I don't uh, know him all like that, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> Yell at him in that fashion. So if you Which go, one of you guys has cheated more on the McSauce podcast? Oh, it's you me. Okay, I'm a podcast slut. <laughs> yeah, Larry asked about Green Lantern, and um, he asked about some of the like what Green Lantern's about, and I had to preface it with like it gets all the different color ring cores and how the. Green Lantern police system is set up. It gets really nerdy and he said, bring it. Maybe so it's broad. just me because I know all that history, but I don't think it's as convoluted or as weird as you think that it is. And like I said, maybe it's because I know all the ins and outs of it. I think it's just because you're a nerd. To the outside, to the untrained ear, it's fucking nerdy. You just think about like all the all the the rings and all the emotions and how that all the science of how each emotion gets put into all the different rings that can be confusing but if you listen to the guest room podcast you do an excellent job of explaining the yellow impurity and the power battery you run through the different sectors and some of the different green lanterns that have protected this sec sector of uh space what are some of the other colors there's indigo for compassion Indigo. Red for hates. Orange is uh, avarice. Yellow is fear. Blue is hope. Violet's love. Black is death. White is life. Did I miss one? I think that's all of them. I think that's all of them. Or G-Biv. So go to theguestroompodcast.libson.com. You can also subscribe to them on iTunes. You can listen to Paul. You can also check out some of the other some of the other things that the guest room has. Support Friends of McSauce because they always support us. Uh, the, the previous episode of the guest room Larry did, um, he talked with uh, his buddy Greg about Captain America and a couple Captain America movies. And um, they made some really good points about those two movies that I, that I, I didn't think about. Um, you know, Greg's a big Captain America fan. He thought the first Cap was um, just a little childish at times. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't get that from watching that movie at all, but he thought they glossed over some, some important parts of him becoming Captain America instead of just getting juiced up. And now he's ready to go. He's ready to do this. I'll have to listen to that episode. Matt, do you need eye drops? Your eye looks horrible. Yeah, it's really it's distracting. It's like when Ian has fuzz in his hair. It's very distracting. Are you looking at my eye too? The fuzz? Yeah. I can wear sunglasses. Your eye is red. Yeah. 
I'll go get my sunglasses. I don't care. Don't. I'll look good don't, for a podcast. Don't do that. Don't do when that. do you not? Good question. Why is this not a video podcast? The ladies want to know. I have no idea. And finally, because we're yeah. not that interested. There's still more housekeeping. There's still more ho- housekeeping. I'm the you star of this show. You realize how many times this music is gonna loop? You can end it at any time, but okay. it's important to update the fans, Matt. It, it really is, especially with Paul's uh, cheating ways with his other podcast mistresses. Podcast adultery. It's what, a serious thing. What is the other news we have for fans? In a few weeks, as we all know, the Mixos Comic Book Podcast will be recording its 100th episode. And we have asked the fans what they would like to hear because without the fans, there is no McSauce comic book podcast because we would probably have quit if nobody was listening because we're pretty sensitive about that kind of thing. The topics that we kind of agreed on, a character-centric episode, DVD commentary maybe, general comic book talk, if there's something that we haven't touched on that you guys would like to hear we'll do that movie or tv talk because that's what we do most of the time but if there's a show if you want to hear us talk about friends we'll do that we can also do a dealy cheely wheelie send us all your crazy ideas and questions and we'll spin the wheel for you as many times as we can that episode and a mystery topic If you'd like us to talk about something that isn't pop culture, comic books or movies, send it along and we'll do our best. Like surprise video games or surprise music? I'm sure it's going to be like surprise politics. Oh, that's tough. Might be surprise sports. Oh. Jody has already thrown his hat in and said either, Jody of that old comic smell has said either the, the Dealy Chili Wheelie or Mystery. So, who knows? Mystery topic. So if you go to the Facebook page, you can vote there and we'll try to figure out in the next couple weeks what we're going to do for the 100th episode. Well, thanks, Ian. Thanks for taking care of that. It was a dirty podcast house. Somebody was out gallivanting around with other podcasts, so I had to clean the house. <laughs> oh. Hurtful. So where where do you guys want to start tonight? We watched Matt and I before the show watched the Eyes Zombie pilot. Ian has already seen it. Do we want to talk about Eyes Zombie or the death of Donatello? Let's start with the death of Donatello. Okay, I didn't read it. This past week in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number forty four, published by IDW Comics. Donatello, the purple face mask wearing Ninja Turtle, died at the at the brutal hands of Rocksteady, the rhinoceros mutant. And this is a book you've kept up with. Incorrect. I have not kept up with it. I I read. Um, so you bought this because you knew he died. This issue. Correct. Correct. I thought it might have some significance to it, although. I did skim it, um, and it was really good from what I can tell, and um, it makes me want to read all of them. I've read, uh, I think, the first two trade work, trades worth, 
So I think maybe the first 12 issues, but they're much further into it now. What number is that? 44. I mean, I passed it around. You guys looked at it. So this is nice a, this is a book that none of us have been getting. Like I've, I've never read a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic, ever. I own the first trade of this IDW run. I liked it, but I didn't like it enough to keep going with it. However, it's interesting looking at just skimming through number 44. It seems like they've built a pretty interesting world, incorporated some characters like Metalhead. Is that right? Metalhead? Uh -huh. right. That um, we're familiar with from the old TV uh, series. I'd like to check the rest of these out, so I'll probably start going back in the catalog, downloading them, and uh, seeing where how, how we got to this point where we're smashing Donatello it, into turtle soup. It seems to me that this comic book is probably the most faithful to the original cartoon show, um, as is well as... Karai? I don't know. Kind of looks like it. I don't know. Karai may make an appearance in issue 44 for those that are kind of on the fence, if that's a selling point. It looks like a cool book. I like the art. Or it looks pretty nice. Kevin Eastman, creator of... Co-creator of Ninja Turtles is a co-writer yeah. on this book. Um, it looks like it has, particularly with this death sequence, a, a more mature tone to it. More mature than probably even the original stuff. I thought, um, the, I thought the original stuff was pretty... I thought it was a mature title. I never read it. Was it mature? No, I, I don't no know one was, was fucking each other in it, but like it was a pretty. Is that what I thought it was a pretty brutal now? title? I thought mature meant forty plus or something like that. There were there was death and gore and blood, but none of the main characters died. I don't think the foot soldiers. They were regular ninjas that got killed in the black and white comics from the eighties, right? Yes, that's true. But it was in black and white. It just didn't have the same... This isn't like Walking Dead, gray tones, black and white with quality art. This was garbage art. It was line art. Yeah, it was line art at best. And you could barely make out what you were seeing. And it just Strong. didn't hold You the could same barely make... It was... What? I dare you. It was ink fog. You could like, <laughs> kind of sort of tell. <laughs> No, I remember that stuff. Poor Donatello. So Donatello has been through some shit in his day. In When um, Mirage Comics, that was the... I think that was the original publisher of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic way back in 1984. Then, in the mid-90s, maybe 94, 95, Mirage folded. And who came in and swooped up the... Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles license. Uh, Ian, I see your hand going up over there. Ding, 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 ding. What is Image Comics? That is correct. Do you know why it was Image Comics? Something to do with Eric Larson. Yes, because Eric Larson had used the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to guest star in Savage Dragon number two of the ongoing series. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, right out of the gate, he was like, I'm going to bring turtles in. Yeah. 
Pretty much. He wasn't like, you know what, I'm going to establish my own world and my of, own character. Of the regular series. There was a mini-series that preceded it for about a year. And then when they resumed the regular series, starting off with number one, issue number two had the turtle. So Savage Dragon did have a world. He had villains and characters. So technically the turtles didn't come in until about issue seven or eight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Still, that's pretty early. It was a bring in a guest star because then, I mean, turtles were peaked. So here's the way the Savage Dragon trajectory kind of worked. And and I'm sure that all the listeners are so glad that I'm going to tell them about this. It started with a three-issue miniseries. Then he began his regular series after that. Like, I think he went on hiatus for a little while and then started with the regular series. Maybe, what, six months later, something like that, Ian? I think the majority of Image titles did that same thing. I know Youngblood... Wildcats and Savage Dragon and Shadowhawk, and Shadowhawk all did the same thing. Right. So, uh, but then the regular series gets going. Then Eric Larson goes back and wants to retell the miniseries story, the origin, if you will. And it came out as a five issue series called The Dragon, and they were 99 cents each, and he expanded the story. So now it went from three issues to five issues. So, Paul, let's say by issue, you know, if we're going to get real technical here, issue seven, that's when the turtles make their appearance in Savage Dragon. And in image time, that was five years, so it's <laughs> fine. Um, and, and it was part one of a two-part story where the second part was in Mirage comics is before Mirage folded. Like, Eric Larson didn't have ownership of the Turtles yet. And uh, Michael Dooley or something was the artist, if memory serves. You might look that up to confirm. Uh, And then years later, Mirage folds, Image gets uh, the Turtles license, and they start producing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book. And the first issue was actually illustrated by Eric Larson, and it's it's one of my favorite covers ever, actually. I, I love the way that he drew these these turtles. Um, I love the way they looked in the uh, in Savage Dragon number two. They also make a reappearance in issue 22, and, uh, and again, they were really cool. But in the Image comic series, they really did some crazy things with the characters um particularly i think it was almost two equal parts one was you want to tell crazy original stories with like lasting consequences and the other flip side is we need a way to visually differentiate these turtles because number one we've given them all red masks traditionally the turtles all have red masks but in the interior pages they it was black and white so there was really no easy way to distinguish so then they started doing things like they scarred Raphael's face so severely that he started to wear one of Casey Jones's masks um so that's how you could tell him apart then they had Donatello and this is what I was talking about poor Donatello he fell out of a helicopter 
and he landed on the ground and he was so fucked up. The only way to save him was turn him into this cyborg turtle. So he became this half machine, half turtle. And so he's been through some shit. In, did you read all day. those issues? I did, yeah. That series was, I think, about 24 issues. And I, and I really liked it. It was drawn by Frank Fosco, uh, written by Gary Carlson. It's good stuff. It got a little sort of wacky toward the end, but what I liked was that there were real consequences. And that's what looks cool about the current book. It looks like real stuff is happening. And Donatello looks pretty dead to me. I, I don't know how you resurrect comics in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe, but he seemed pretty dead. And well, I, I feel like when you bust a shell wide open, I don't know turtle anatomy, but that seems pretty finite. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, okay, so they bust a shell open, and you think that that might just be critically wounded. However, if you flip to the end of the book, you can read some of the some of the dialogue and one of the characters said, we tried Leo, uh, we tried to get here as fast as we could. When Harold called, we, is he, I swear we tried to help, but Leo, it was too late. And then Splinter says, my son, my poor brave son. And Donatello was brave. He, he fought against Bebop and Rocksteady by himself while the other three turtles were in another dimension fighting Krang. And Donatello was... I don't know exactly what the fight was about, aside from they don't like each other. But they were... He was trying to kind of hold them off and sort of escape because he was outmatched. He had no help whatsoever. Um, and uh, ultimately, he just... He couldn't, he couldn't take them both on. So the final splash page, in my opinion, of this issue is really powerful because it shows everyone's personality in their reaction to Donatello's death. So you have Raphael, who is literally shaking with anger. Um, Leonardo standing there kind of stoically, just kind of in shock. Michelangelo is letting his emotions pour out and tears are rolling down his face. Um, it's just really heavy, I think. I mean, this isn't all that far removed from, like, the death of um, Jason Todd when, when Batman held Jason Todd in his arms uh, as after the Joker blew him up. Yeah, I mean, I love Donatello, and I kind of don't want this to be final for him, but at the same time, I'm so sick and tired of comic books killing characters so they can come back in six or seven months to spike comic sales. Let let him go. Let him go. This is a comic book. Maybe when this gets relaunched in 10 years, we can have a new Donatello, but let him go. It's surprising since Donatello seems to be one of the breakout stars of the Nickelodeon show. Mm -hmm. A lot of people like Donatello. You go to a toy store and can't find any Donatello action figure. At least we can't find any Donatello action figures out there because kids really like that. The they They respond to the tech-savvy, kind of nerdy right. Ninja Turtle. It speaks to them. Right. So it's surprising and shocking that they would kill him. Um, and to see this book function with just three Ninja Turtles. Almost it's gonna be interesting. shocking, Paul. Hey. It's oh, Matt. It's going to be interesting to see how the book goes from, from here on out. And like I said, I, I'm, 
I kind of want to catch up and see how this all led to this point. Yeah, I kind of do too. Paul, you're awfully quiet over there. Does this not interest you or or what? It does. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't hear anything about this all day. Right. Like the first time yeah, you said I this heard was a about big, it big was news when, today. This was like a week ago and and it was but today. Yeah, the first time I heard about it was today. I was, I was like, well, what, what are we talking about tonight? And Matt's like, the death of Donatello. And I'm like, what? It's like, huh? I did hear about this. People were talking about it on Facebook. People that I know for a fact don't read comic books, are more invested in maybe the movies or the cartoon. And I had to assure them, whoa, 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 don't worry. It's in comics. You don't read comics. This won't affect you. But still, the fact that people were vocal and upset speaks to the character's popularity. Donatello has quickly skyrocketed to my second favorite turtle. Who's your first favorite turtle? Michelangelo? Michelangelo, yeah. yeah. The order for me, and I know we've talked about it, but I'm going to reiterate, because I don't want people to have to go through the archives to get this information. Actually, that's what we want them to do, but... There are other, there are other nuggets of, of wonderful treasure awaiting them through the archives, but I'm going to give them this one as long as they promise to go back through the archives and listen for other little We've things. done favorite turtles. I don't think we've done turtle ranking. Okay, all right. Here's no, my the... memory is the worst of the three of us, so... Okay, here's the ranking. Michelangelo, Donatello, Leonardo, Raphael. Yeah, Ian, go. Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello, Michelangelo. Leonardo, Donatello... Raphael, Michelangelo. I hate both your lists. Well, your list is dumb. My list is the only accurate one. I watched an episode of the new Turtles this weekend, the one where the pizza was... Oh, al- It was like a- alien pizza or something, and Michelangelo was the star of the show. And it was charming. It was, it was cool. I like this version of Michelangelo better than any knucklehead numbskull surfer, surfer version yeah. that I've ever seen. I didn't so. like Michelangelo in the original cartoon. He was probably my least favorite. My favorite back in those days was Raphael, but Raphael was not the way that he is in every other rendition of Raphael. Right? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, right? Are, are you? I don't think that they could be as gruff. The Raphael that was in the movie. Right. And then, and then this current Turtles TV mm-hmm. show, as well as TMNT. Voiced the, by Lord of the Rings, Sean Astin. Is he really? Yeah. yeah Who voiced him it. in TMNT? I have no idea. No. Oh. That's Talk probably TMNT was probably that was probably my favorite version of Raphael. I really liked. I don't him remember. I agree. I remember so little about that movie. I, want, I know we saw it in the theater. We I'm did. Sure, we were together. Yeah, we did go that to see movie, it together. I remember so little about it. Had the coolest scene, which was the fight between Raphael and Leonardo on the rooftop in the rain. Oh, with Nolan, the, Nolan North was ah, Raphael. Nolan, there you go. Oh, there we go. With the they had like the neon lighting. Yeah. And yeah. just the the feel. I think it was the first time that since Leonardo went into exile and he came back, mm-hmm. and it was the first time. And all the feelings of betrayal that Raphael had, that Leonardo just abandoned his brothers. 
It was really great emotional stuff. Yeah, it was. Especially for a cartoon. Uh, I don't like the way it ended because, frankly, I feel like Leonardo would have won that fight. But what do I know? I also feel like it was a cliffhanger that they were planning on success with that movie and filming another one and they could fill in some of the gaps or something like that. I don't know why they... I thought that movie did well. Maybe I'm wrong. This is before we did... This was back in a time that I would have bet against Godzilla. <laughs> Budget, $34 million. Gross, 54 I, th- I think by um, today's standards, you would get a yeah. sequel, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And as much as we adore the current TV show because of the art style, the actual technical quality of the animation in TMNT is better than that of the current cartoon show. I, the last time that I watched it was before the premiere of this new series, mm-hmm. and I watched, me and Dominic watched the movie, TMNT, yeah. and went right into the cartoon series, and it was jarring to see those two different styles. Yeah. I really like the cartoon style now, but it grew on me, whereas I felt that the TMNT animation style was fitting of that universe right from the get-go. Yeah, it shared a little bit of similarity with the original artistic representations in the comic books with kind of the, the like more squat faces that kind of like smushed out from their masks. It kind of had like noses, sort of like, like right. a turtle's beak. Well, like every other rendition of the turtle to that point. Right, and the version on Nickelodeon's kind of round heads, sort of, which is fine, but it was jarring when I mm-hmm. first saw it. Not as jarring as the Michael Bay thing, which I have. I rewatched that. I rewatched that over New Year's. Do you guys remember the episode that you recorded without me on New Year's, where I was sick and dying? With ah, the best episode ever. Yes, <laughs> I remember that. Now, I think it was entitled "Hallelujah, Matt's Dead." <laughs> I almost died, and part of it was because I watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film, <laughs> and I had seen it in the theater and thought it was good i enjoyed it and but when i rewatched it the second time i almost hated it usually i i kind of like things a little better the second time yeah i fucking hated it really like because they changed way too much the, they they made the turtles into super powered like superheroes huge hulking behemoths they weren't ninjas anymore. They were just super strong characters. Right. But worse than that was the way that they that they just came to be. They were all given names by by April O'Neil. I don't hate that though. Why? I thought that was okay. If that were if those were her pets, it makes pets, so much more sense for Splinter to name them. I prefer that too. But there are other things that were more more hateable than that yeah. aspect. Like Splinter himself and his voicing. His voice was Tony Shalhoub. Fuck you, man. That's fucking terrible. And even worse than that is Johnny Knoxville as Leonardo. Where did you get that Kentucky twang in New York, motherfucker? Get out of here with that. I hated that. So you you had a problem. Wait, what? You've never seen Turtles? Uh-uh. I haven't seen the Michael Bay produced McSauce borrowing program. Send them the Blu-ray. All right. I need reminders, by the way, because I know I owe you Tusk. Send me reminders the night before, because I forget from, like, today to next Monday. Um, yes, I'll try to remember for the for you, but 
you have issues with the voice acting of these characters. I have issues with... The more I watch it, the more I'm like, why did you change the design so drastically? The turtles are not seven feet tall. They're four feet tall. Um, the, or five, maybe five feet tall. But like, they're short. They're short. Not that five feet tall is short. <laughs> they're, they're ninjas as well. They were barely ninjas in this. I didn't see any like ninjaing at all. It was like four Fantastic Four things running around exactly, on the rooftops. Exactly. You weren't sneaking up on shit. Right. Um, Except for maybe Donatello, because Donatello had a more slender build that I thought fit the Ninja Turtles in this universe a little closer. He was still seven feet tall. Right. It was was a stretch. The Foot Clan was a disaster with their machine guns and everything. No, they're ninjas. It's It's a clan of ninjas. Yes, I realize that's kind of ridiculous in today's... 2015's New York, but so are these mercenaries with machine guns running around. Like, so are giant mutant turtles. Right. Just r- go with it. And that, and that's something about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in general, is the world that they've built around, around this brand. Stuff like the Foot Clan and Shredder and the Ninja Gang flows seamlessly with the alien brains from Dimension X. Correct. However, I strongly do prefer the more real-world side of things where we're not going in different dimensions. Like, I'm fine with the mutant aspect of it, but I like when we go to Japan and we deal with, like, actual ninjas and that kind of stuff. I prefer that. I really like the way that the original movie handled the Foot Clan, too. What they were doing, they were just thieves in the night that Mm -hmm. stole things, and that was cool because they were fucking ninjas. They were ninjas, not like this teenage mutant. They maybe Hulk weren't. Turtles. They maybe weren't as scary as we would have liked them to be. Like they were responsible for a crime wave, which consisted of stealing merchandise. Like that's just not all that scary, dude. If you went home and your flat screen was gone, you'd be like the fucking Foot Clan again. <laughs> <laughs> that shit would scare you. <laughs> Would it scary or the way you presented it, it would annoy me. Enrage and then like, oh no, they might be still here. But who cares? All they're going to do is like steal from me. Like yeah, they're not going to kill me. Buy them a pizza and a case of beer and they'll right. get out of your hair. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what the Foot Clan's, uh, I don't know what their MO is in the current cartoon, but it's better than we're just going to raid some uh, electronic stores. Yeah, it, it was kind of weak in, in the original film, but I think that original movie was definitely geared toward an even younger demographic, but even even so, like a nine-year-old in 1990, I feel like had more of an innocence than a nine-year-old in 2015 might have. You know, we're a little yeah, edgier yeah. now, we're a little more hardened. Right. Which is kind of weird because like, Boy, are we a soft society. Right, Paul? That is absolutely correct. We're soft. We are. We're not soft. Well, no, we grew up in the 80s. Right. We're hard. Not as hard as people from the 70s. Right, right. But harder than some kid that like grew up in the 2000s. Oh, yeah. I laugh at a kid like that. These kids are pussies these days. Right, Dan? Soft as Charmin. I thought he was going to say soft as shart. <laughs> Soft as, as a shark. As liquid shit. 
Yeah, I, I have yet to see the Michael Bay produced Turtles. I, it's insane. Man. I haven't you, had you any just real, see it. I haven't had any real desire to see it. This current issue of Turtles, um, between the perceived real world ramifications of killing Donatello and the artwork, it looks like it could be pretty good. Um, I may want to. Oh, you you got that trade on. Comixology, Comixology, son. Guess I won't be borrowing that through the McSauce barter system. Not until you get an iPad. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably... Um, I want to go check those out now. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I've Wait. never read a Turtles book, but this this has sparked my interest a little is bit. Is there a way... To, I'm sorry to interrupt, but is there a way to, to lend comics through Comixology? No. I've given Paul my password in the past so he can go and log on okay. but it's different reading it on your laptop than it is yeah I, so i imagine that i never i've never used it because it's it, i feel like it's, it's stupid weird reading, reading it on, it on my laptop i'm yeah. still from the stone age i have a hard time watching tv and movies on my laptop granddaddy ginty <laughs> like i've i've done it and if if you guys make me watch that terrible Powers premiere, I'll watch it, and it has to be online. But yeah, I I prefer an actual television. If you're reading a comic book on a tablet, it's a much different experience than doing it on your laptop. Well, you the, you actually tablet, would enjoy get, it. I yeah, think. On the, I think I would too. It has the form factor of a comic book. Right. It feels more like a comic. It has the guided view. The Comixology on the on the laptop doesn't have that option. No, it doesn't. So you're just reading like PDF pages, and it, I think it takes enough of the fun out of it for me that I just don't really feel like I, getting into it. I wish there was a way that you could share, just like a Kindle or anything like Which that, is where insane you can because it's an Amazon owned property. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of stuff that I wish I could send over to you. Right. That I think that you would enjoy. It would but... be so fun to like lend one another comics, but I guess they think, well, why would we let you do that? Because we wouldn't get our money back. But like, how about like there's one license for it, and if I lend it to Ian, I can't fucking read it, or something like that. And you know I think that's I mean? how a Kindle works, too. When when you're lending it to somebody, you can't see it. I mean, why is it any different? It's a book, right? Right. It's ridiculous. So, Comixology, we know you're listening. Please, please, give us, the fans, what we want from your product. Just like we at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, we ask our fans, what do you want to hear? We'll do whatever. Amazon, help us out. Come on. Going back to the TMNT animation versus the current show animation, I prefer the current show. Like, I never really liked the way those turtles looked. I know they look more like the original Eastman Land yeah, yeah. stuff, but I never liked the smushy faces and their eyes seemed gigantic. It wasn't bad. I just didn't like it. Uh, the current yeah. show, as soon as I saw it, I, I loved it. There's a particular style... Yeah. to all of those characters. Um, in TMNT, all the turtles look the same. If they lost their masks, you wouldn't know who the fuck was who. Yeah, I think what I was trying to explain or say was that on TMNT, the the technical animation, not the style, but the actual animation itself is stronger than the more stylized version of the of the TV show. Yeah, you're going to get 
better lighting effects, better right. detail, the weight of the characters is going to be a lot different because they have more of that money behind it. They do, although, you know, it did precede the show by probably about five years, I would think. Mm -hmm. I want to say TMNT came out in 06, maybe 07. I'm yeah. going to say 06. One of the things I love about the current, current Turtles cartoon is that each turtle is so different. If they were all naked, you could still be able to tell who it's was the who. coolest thing, yeah. That's the first time ever that that's really happened in anything. Like, they were all really similar. Yeah, Michelangelo's always been a little lighter green to Donatello's darker green. That was about yeah. it. Yeah. That was about it. Yeah, but in the current show, they've all they all, all have different head shapes. Uh, right. You know, besides Donatello the, has a gap in his teeth. Yeah. Besides that's the besides most wonderful that, little touch. Though. And the the splinter taken out of the front of Raphael's shell. Um, like they're just their heads are all different enough that even yep. without the masks, you know who's who. Yep. And with the show, one a little touch that this show did. There were a couple episodes where you see a couple of them without the masks. And it looks super fucking weird because it's so rare to see the turtles without their masks on that when you see like naked head, it's like it's a jarring, <laughs> it's surreal. Watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Uh, Michelangelo takes that shit off. Yeah. You saw it in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Very spooky. A little bit. Yeah. I had already seen it on the show by then. Right. It's yeah. a lot different in the movie. So though. Michael Horseshit wasn't showing me anything new. Oh boy. Per usual. So. Eye Zombie? I guess that's it. That's it for our, that's our, it. Uh, our Turtles talk. That's it. For Who's your turtles. favorite Turtles bad guy? They just introduced Bebop and Rocksteady at the end of, very end of season two on the show. And they were fucking awesome. Really? It, everything about the show is super cool. What season are they on? The third? I think they're on... Isn't it? An they may have been introduced in the beginning of the third season. Yeah. Cartoon seasons are so fucking weird. Like, they don't do fall, winter season and then take off. They'll do like... They'll do like three months non-stop shows and then a month off and then three months non-stop shows and that's like one and a half seasons like I, the way you'll have twenty two episodes, but they'll be crammed into like a few months span. Yeah, the way Turtles is run, I I think um, I think it premieres on, I think the episodes originally air on Sunday nights or Sunday evenings. Um, there will be one Sunday where it's season two finale, and then the next Sunday it's season three premiere. Like, there's no... That's weird. But in the middle of the seasons, there'll be, like, a three-month break. Yeah. So I don't really know how it works, but a substantial part of the time into this series, we finally get Bebop and Rocksteady. And they set up Bebop and Rocksteady as their human forms. Like, they've been in the show almost the entire time. But you don't really get an idea that that's who they're going to be until very late. And then they... You see it coming, and you're like, how the fuck did I not see this? Or maybe it's just me, because I'm a moron. <laughs> That's cool. I'm, I'm going to have to catch myself up on that as well. I watched a lot of the first season, but I I just dropped off for some reason. I, I don't know why. Maybe my DVR didn't keep recording, or I just lost interest. 
But I'm going to have to get back and continue to watching it. You sing very high praises the of biggest, TMNT. Or the biggest Ninja knock Turtles. on the show is losing Jason Biggs as Leonardo. Is it noticeable, the yes. new voice actor? Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was It was Jason Biggs for two and three quarters. One and three quarter seasons. And then... Um, a guy, Daniel Cipriani, or something, for two episodes. And he sounded pretty close to Jason Biggs. And they should have just ran with him, because instead, they got Seth Green. Who can't? Who either sounds like Seth Green or Chris from Family Guy. So, and they explain it in the show. Leonardo gets in this huge fight, and the, the other three turtle, turtles are out somewhere and he's fighting Tiger Claw and Shredder and uh, Razor and the They beat the fish him guy. until he sounded like Seth Green. They beat him so bad, Leonardo was out of like he they do the the old nineties movie where except it's it's Raphael who gets his ass kicked and he's out of commission for forever. Mm. But this time it's Leonardo and they even take him to this farmhouse and they put him in the bathtub and Raphael's kind of keeping vigil over him. Okay. But, like, he gets his ass kicked bad, and they keep him out of the show for a long time. And when he comes back, he it's sounds like Seth voice. Green. Oh, and they explain it in an episode. They that, beat the you know, cool out of him. You know, they say, like, <laughs> his his vocal cords sustain so much damage, they may never heal. So it's kind of neat that That's they cool that they changed that way. wrote that into the but show. But at the same yeah. time, but, no, that, Jason Biggs was really When I think good. about that, that, that's dumb, actually. Why not just hire a guy that sounds more like fucking Jason Biggs instead of hiring somebody that is a Turtles fan and just wants to be on the show and oh, we'll figure out a way to make it work. No, make it make it cohesive. Don't don't like um have this contrived explanation why he sounds different. That's ridiculous. Well, the way the way the season played out, it's not like they created this big fight just to explain this, this was this was gonna happen. It was every everything was leading up to this, but I I agree. I would have just used the guy that fell between Jason Biggs and and um, Seth Green because he sounded pretty close enough to Jason Biggs, and I'm sure he was fucking cheaper too. But since they did make the change, I'm glad that they acknowledge it and give the fans a tip of the hat instead of just pretending like nothing happened. Maybe. So, neither of you have a favorite Turtles bad guy? Uh, Shredder from the movie was pretty... The first movie was pretty menacing. Not Super Shredder from the Vanilla Ice movie? No. Well, wasn't that Kevin Nash or something like that? I think so. Kevin Nash played him? Yeah. No, I didn't like Super Shredder all that much. I hated Toka and Razor wannabe... Bebop and Rocksteady. Some Michael Bay or uh, some Chris Nolan bullshit. I mean, You're going through the trouble in this movie of creating two more like body puppets that are fairly close. Like you, they could have reasonably made those into Bebop and Rocksteady. Right. And even through the first season and a half of this current Turtle show, you don't get Bebop and Rocksteady, and fans were pissed. And the creators of the show were inundated. Through the first, you know, as soon as the first season went by and there was no Bebop and Rocksteady, fans were ready to riot. And they came out and they were like, don't worry, 
we've got a plan, you know, we're going to be on for a while, we're going to make things happen, don't worry about it. And they have, and it's been really cool, and there's so many other really cool characters they introduced that, like Dog Pound, who eventually turns into Razor, I don't know if he's been part of the Eastman Laird series or the Image series, but he's been really fucking cool. Um, Tiger Claw, who's a big mutant ninja tiger, hmm. he's fucking amazing. So who's? It sounds like you have a pretty definitive, or at least a bunch of different contenders for favorite villain. I mean, I can only really go back to. You know, Baxter Stockman or the Rat King. <laughs> like, yeah, of course Shredder wins. The Rat King in the current show is like when they updated the Scarecrow in the animated series. Because the Rat King from the old 90s cartoon was like just a weird hobo. Like mummy hobo that controls rats. Was he Cajun too? Am I making that no, up? No, I think you're right. It, he was either Cajun in the show or his bio card on the action figure said something about that yeah but and that they, made him goofier to me whenever they reboot him like he has the weird flat brim flat top hat like scarecrow the rebooted scarecrow in the new adventures of batman and robin and he's his face is kind of skeletal and he's able to control rats because he's the rat king but he's also able to take control of shredder and he's real fucking creepy hmm but I, I think Shredder. Shredder's probably the coolest. Shredder's like Darth Vader. Cool costume. Cool helmet. You know. Good name. Freddy Krueger thing going on. Good yep. name. Yep. Tiger Claw's my runner-up. He's the Boba Fett of the new series. Mercenary. Works for Shredder because he can. Knows he doesn't have to. He's pretty badass. Favorite villain? Probably the Shredder. No Krang love, huh? Well, like I said, I'm not as into the interdimension stuff. Um, I like more the real world. I like the fact that there's one ultimate ninja that can easily defeat the, the turtles at the same time. Plus, I don't think there's anything cooler than Splinter versus Shredder. I think it's a timeless classic. You know, just as timeless as um, Mr. Miyagi versus... Uh, John Kreese. Super timeless. <laughs> it is timeless, you fucker. At least since 1984. <sighs> he could have went anywhere. You could have went God well, he, versus Satan. <laughs> he kept it in the karate realm. Yeah. You could have done... Karate. Ka karate. <laughs> That's all we say. Yeah, Shredder's in the Shredder's dojo. fucking cool, man. Kevin Eastman and Laird, like Bruce Lee. They struck gold versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Any of those things. Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris. Oh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali. You know, Chuck Norris. Is that karate or is that the sweet science? <laughs> Chuck Norris was the world champion at the time when he agreed to be the villain in that Bruce Lee film where they had that fight. And when Bruce Lee asked him to be in it, because they were sparring partners and they were friends, Bruce Lee said, hey, I'd like you to be in the movie. Chuck Norris said, well, who's going to win? Like half joking. And Bruce Lee said, I I'm going to win. I'm the hero. And, uh, and Chuck Norris went with it and everything. But he has been asked 
multiple times by people, could you have beaten Bruce Lee? And he, he won't answer that. And I think he, like, knows it, but he'll never honestly answer it. And if memory serves in that fight, have you guys seen it? It's on YouTube. Not in a long time. Chuck Norris is not what I would call a sleek man. He's got some some manly hair on his chest. Well, chest hair. it was the 70s. Yes, so. it was. And there is a, a part where I think Bruce Lee reaches out and grabs his hair and just pulls his chest hair out. That's dirty pool. How Bruce, dare he? Bruce Lee was not known to be the cleanest fighter. He would jump on your chest and kill you when you when you were down. And that's why I like Bruce Lee. I always loved Bruce Lee. I love this Big Bruce Lee guy, huh? I love Bruce Lee. I do. I've never been a martial arts guy, so I don't really care. I loved the Karate Kid trilogy and Walker, Texas Ranger. You know what I will say? A lot of the time... Is that karate? It's karate. Karate. The karate kid? Absolutely. Not the karate kid. Walker, Texas Ranger. Walker, which Texas is, Ranger. <laughs> yes. Which is, is, I mean, I'm saying... French version. Karate. I'm not saying that as somebody that's not familiar with it, because that thing is on... It's still, to this day, it's on my TV all the time. When Wife the eyes of the ranger it. are upon you. True. Everything you do, he's gonna see. It's more of a mixed martial art in the wild, in the it's south, in the wild it's west. In the wild <laughs> west. Well, they do go back to the wild, wild west. west. Well, they do go back in time on that show. Oh no, dude! There are really? some back in time episodes. Uh, They're amazing. No. So you had brought up the Karate Kid, <laughs> the trilogy, and what I wanted to say is that most of those '80s trilogies, um. Star Wars notwithstanding, maybe Indiana Jones notwithstanding, a lot of them fall flat by that third uh, installment. Isn't that trilogy logic? I guess over the over the decades. Yeah, you're probably right. Godfather. Always, yeah. Spider-Man. Back to the ba Future. Back to the Future is a big offender in my opinion because one and two are so good, and then three is just like, huh, really? Some people like that Wild West shit. It wasn't bad, and and a lot of the times these third ones aren't bad. They're just they don't live up to the precedent set by one and two. Is there a number three that stands up to one and two in the history of trilogies, not counting Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Jaws? <laughs> Jaws. Well, okay, you said not counting Star Wars, but I would. Most people probably like episode four and five of Star Wars better than Return of the Jedi. True. But Return of the Jedi still is a beloved property. It is. There are moments in that that people can point to that say, for me, I'm not going to even do people. I'll do my own personal experience. Do yourself. My favorite moment in all of Star Wars is the moment when Luke flips around, R2 shoots over the lightsaber, mm -hmm. who grabs it, sparks it up, and starts defending his, fighting for his friend's lives. Right. That's my favorite moment in all of Star Wars. Well, you know what's great about that moment, too? Luke is so confident by this point, and we haven't seen this level of confidence. You know, he was a little bit cocky when he first took on Darth Vader, right? 
because he thought, I've been doing some cool flips on Dagobah. I could probably beat Darth Vader. And he has a little bit of arrogance. He's like, I ran in the swamp. I did CrossFit in the swamp, I motherfucker. I, I got on you. one fucking hand with Yoda on my foot. I did it. I levitated rocks. You're old as shit. You have a breathing mask. I'm going to kill you. I almost lifted, lifted an X-Wing out of the swamp. But he didn't. But it was close. But Young, cocky Luke. But by the time we get to Return of the Jedi, Luke, he is so confident as he's standing on that plank, as he walks the plank, Paul. He's standing there, and he gives a little salute to R2-D2. Love that salute. One of... Maybe my favorite sequence of all Star Wars. The salute? That's just a salute or the... Because I was just... I just said that. That, that whole scene. Me right. too. It, We're in agreement then. The, yeah, the first... This. The first of two salutes in Return of the Jedi. Um... And, but then he, he does that thing where he jumps off and springs himself back. But he doesn't just jump back. He does a quadruple fucking flip that would make anybody in the Olympics blush. And he lands on his feet like it was nothing. He didn't have to flip four times, but he did because he was cocky. <laughs> you know I, what he was like? What's the argument here? There's no argument. You know, believe, like it, I, believe it or not, asshole. we're not. Time out. Because, Wait a second. because Luke was a big dog. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not arguing. We're having a nice debate. When you leave the room. I was taking a pee. Me and Matt just, we come together. We talk about things we like. Sometimes it's the 90s. Sometimes it's Star Wars. But we, we don't fight. We're just having a nice conversation. I thought I heard everything, but now I'm coming in and... You heard nothing. Luke's I don't cocky. Think. You just want to fight with people. That's what you do. Don't look at me. It is what you do. I don't. I don't fight on purpose. Oh, that you wasn't what you. That wasn't what you were you doing. Right there. I just want to know what we're talking about. No, we were just saying that. Uh, like, why is why is why does Matt have a hard time with Luke's assertion? He's, he's, he's I, I not. Did. He was just commenting. I'm, I'm on just. It. Why are you saying it as a matter of fact? But we were just pointing to the fact that one of the favorite moments, even though people have problems with Return of the Jedi, it has one of the greatest moments in that whole trilogy. So it's not really a weak film, I don't think. Whereas other trilogies, the third one always falls short. And I'm, I'm racking my brain for a strong third part of a trilogy. I can't come up with one. What's the third Turtles movie? Turtles go to Japan. Turtles in time. Turtles People in time. hate that one. Yeah, that's not that's not a good example. Um, Blade three. No, that's, that's the one bad. with mm, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Jessica Biel. Does Revenge of the Sith count? Because that was the best of the prequel trilogy. Yeah, it does count, and you're probably right there. I'm, I I feel like that was that doesn't count because the first two weren't <laughs> beloved. Yeah. None of them were, um, unfortunately. Um, the Certainly not Iron Man 3. No, not Iron Man 3, not Spider-Man 3. Not Dark Knight Rises. No. Yeah, guess no one's done it yet. Certainly not X3. Not Superman 3. Usually the third film is the franchise killer. Alien 3 was kind of bad. Matrix. Revolutions was, was terrible. Predator 3. Uh, Predators. 
Predators was better than Predator well, 2. No offense. That man. wouldn't be the sequel, though. I feel like that, that wouldn't be the third part. Of I feel like that's a reboot. Don't you think that's a reboot and no, not a continuation? No, it's a continuation. No, I feel like it's all in... The, I, I feel like it's spin-off movie. It's okay, sta- that's fair. Well, I wouldn't even say a spin-off. It certainly stands by itself, but the other films can enhance it. There's so um, much time in between those. Yeah, they, they don't... They don't fit together like a perfect puzzle but it's not like it's a any kind of reboot or anything i guess really the second one doesn't is as far removed from the first film as the third film right lethal weapon three no i was never a big lethal weapon guy what i didn't really like lethal weapon all that much nope i think i've only seen Eh. the first one i've seen there were four right he's stuck on the toilet that's yeah. the second one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the theaters yeah. to see the fourth one with Chris Rock, right? Yeah. That's why I went to see it, because it had Chris Rock. Don't be that guy. Oh, come I on. I am. It was the 90s. <laughs> oh, shit. Back <laughs> off. Um, what other third? You know, I saw the fourth one in the theater as well, and as soon as that movie was over, this is what a big martial arts guy was. Karate. As soon as, as, soon as that movie was over... I drove myself, because I was like new to the whole driving thing at that time, because it was like shortly after I had my license. I drove myself over to Suncoast Video, ah, and yes. I said, I said, hey, I just saw Lethal, and I thought this was so cool, I just saw Lethal Weapon 4. It's out in theaters. You guys don't even have it yet. And there's this guy. You were like, oh, by the name. Name's Blaze. Those TV salesmen were like, fuck you, kid. They were video salesmen. They didn't wait, sell Suncoast, TVs. Suncoast Video? They I didn't were say Sun- Oh, wait. Sun, that's what I was thinking. Sun TV. No, Suncoast, Suncoast video. video in the mall. I'm sorry. In the mall. <laughs> I was thinking Sun TV. I said, they also had videos and CDs. They, they did. didn't have CDs. They did in Oh, Rome. Sun TV? Sun TV. Sun TV, right. Suncoast Video, just videos. Right. So, um... I said, there is this new martial artist who is so fast. His name is Jet Li. Do you have any karate movies with Jet Li in it? And they said, no, we never heard of this guy before. I'm like, yeah, he's real big in like China or something. In Japan. (laughs) Um, and uh, they, they looked some shit up. I think you could, I could have ordered movies for like $45 or something. You should have. Like, yeah, no, no. I didn't. Are you a big Jet Li fan to this day? No, not really. I felt like a lot of his films were not that interesting. Um, I felt like they got bogged down with uh, too many gimmicks and stuff rather than his natural ability. I think Jackie Chan movies were a little bit more... Uh, impressive with Jackie Chan's fighting. However, I would like to bring this up. Have either of you guys ever seen The Forbidden Kingdom? No. With Jackie Chan and Jet Li? It is a fucking great movie. It's essentially the martial arts version of The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. Like, if that doesn't sound pretty cool, then I think you guys have no taste. And I'm definitely leaning toward Paul having no taste because he's not even listening. I'm not a martial arts guy. I don't care. Do you like The Wizard of Oz? Do you think that's a good story? Yeah. Then you would like this because it's got martial arts. The Wizard of Oz doesn't have any arts. This one has martial arts. Martial arts isn't going to make it better. It might. Martial arts, I think, makes everything better. I disagree. 
I like ninjas. I'm a big ninja guy. I like oh, I'm ninjas sorry. when they're giant mutated turtles. Right. Not, not even just regular ninjas? Ninja guy Dan? You don't yeah. like that? Because you're not a I video I prefer guy. Altered Beast. Ugh. So you, would you prefer Teenage Mutant ninja, ninja Turtles to be Teenage Ninja Turtles? No, wait. Teenage Mutant Turtles. Teenage Mutant Turtles. Or even just Ninja Turtles. No, like, because... The, what if they were... What if they change it so they're like middle-aged? Mutant. They should be by now. I mean, like they should these be old things men. do not age at all. all right. Look, look, numb nuts, both of you. This is see, the this ninja- is what we were talking about. The ninjaness doesn't hurt teenage mutant turtles. The teenage is what you like, but you sick fuck. The ninja part isn't what sells me. Is that it's the, the part mutant. you could lose? Is like it the turtles? The other you like turtles? You're a big turtle guy. Like Karate Kid isn't about the karate. It's about the kid. About the kid, fuck yeah! Yeah, I'll give you I, I, I'll you know, give you I, it's not a selling point for me. It's, I like martial arts. I think it usually makes shit better. Put a little, put a little flourish in there. Yeah, you kick some punches. Yeah, like I'm, I like fighting. Yeah, but it's always good to have somebody who knows what the fuck they're like doing. Like Roadhouse isn't a martial arts movie no but but there's a lot of martial arts in it right right it's injected in there right would that that's better than watching arm wrestling oh yes absolutely but is it what's over the top isn't that another beloved property it is a beloved property but I I think for it's beloved because it sucks yeah I think we're making fun of it these days Maybe back when we were seven years old, we thought, "Did you guys just see Rocky turn his hat backwards? Like that is ba- like I'm gonna do. I'm gonna wear my hat like that because Rocky did it." I like, know a group of guys in New York that love turning the hat around and doing some arm wrestling. I don't think they do that. <laughs> I think they do that. Like all the all those '90s action movies, you know the Van Damme stuff and the Seagal stuff that were heavily martial arts weighted. Right. Just disinterested. I, I can agree with you to a certain extent. I think that it was certainly oversaturated. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Don't care. Agreed. Agreed. How about Kill Bill? Never saw it. Badass. So I don't care. I would say. The thing that's always a selling point for me, and this is why I would go with ninjas over just straight karate, the sword. Give me a sword in fucking almost anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the sword. Give me a sword. Sword is a selling point. It's all I need. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be a martial arts style sword. No, it doesn't. I mean, you so can... you take Rob Roy, for example. Rob Roy, ah... The fencing swords are kind of sissy. Oh, Rob Roy did not have a fencing sword, my friend. I've never seen Rob Roy. I, I know. I, I know that. It's, isn't that Quagon Jin's origin story? Is that him? Not exactly. Okay, I thought watch, it was. Watch the final fight between. Oh no, that's not between. A, I thought it was a fencing sword. I'm no, wrong. No, it has a hilt with some flourish. Oh, that's pretty badass. I think he, I'd like that. What is that? Kill. He like, fights. Um, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Ewan McGregor? No, not you, Laurie. No, he was in Ray the Park. Inc- no, he was in the Incredible Hulk, the villain. Um, Nick Nolte? 
No, 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 no. That little skinny The abomination. Guy. What's his uh, name? I know. Timothy uh, Roth? Tim Roth. Yes. Yes. He fights Tim Roth. Tim Roth seems like a, a mismatch. Tim Roth was, was quick and wily, and he had the fencing sword, so he had the speed. Rob Roy had the big, like, two-handed behemoth. This was before Liam Neeson was a professional assassin in yes. every movie, so he didn't have that rep. Yeah, I, this is this is before he succumbed to... I, I uh, recommend to YouTube that fight. It's a very good sword fight. But if you give me a sword in almost anything, Kill Bill, Willow, Highlander. Star Wars, Highlander... Any kind of sword, pretty much in. You pretty much got me. He-Man, He-Man Thundercats, Voltron. Voltron. That's why swords. That's why Harry Potter out. No swords out. Don't tell me about the wands and their sticks. No way. I get it. There's, sword. I get There's... it. I think I've never understood your Harry Potter distaste until right now. Now what? I understand. Hey, listen to me, Paul. What does Harry Potter pull out of the hat in the second Harry Potter movie? Sword of Gryffindor. There you go. But he doesn't use it. He it's uses not it. His sword. He fights the snake. But it's not his main weapon, right? Right. No, right. but he uses and it. And after that movie, it pretty much disappears. You gotta. That's that's gotta be your signature. But weapon. the way that they present the sword and the sword maker in Kill Bill, fucking awesome. I love that shit. It's a great... Paul, you've never seen either of those? You're not a big Quentin Tarantino person, right? You haven't seen anything. You haven't seen... Oh, you're asking me if I've seen anything. Okay, let's see. Let's recap. We've talked about The Forbidden Kingdom. Paul, have you seen that? Don't look at me. Have you seen that? (laughs) We're attacking you. (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We'll go 2014 for you. Hey, hey, I've seen it. (laughs) They have swords. Kill Bill 1. Matt, there's a, there's a billion things you haven't read or seen either. None of which we've talked about today. You're not, you're not a big Correct. Quentin Tarantino guy. I'm fine Correct? with Tarantino. Huh? I just had no desire to see Kill Bill. You, really? you look so yeah. disinterested in this topic. You know what, what we can talk about, though? Let's talk about something all three of us saw. There's a new show called iZombie uh, that, that just premiered uh, a week ago Wednesday, I think. Or Tuesday. So it's it's less than a week old. It'll be a week old by the time you guys hear it, but we saw it. Uh, it's it's based on a Vertigo title that was about 28 issues long, uh, written by, I'm blanking on the name, was it Robinson? Chris Robert, Rob, Robertson. 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 And your favorite on pencils. On pencils, we had Mike Allred, who had uh, his artwork featured in the opening um, intro to the show, which was a nice treat. And it was original artwork, too, because it, it reflected like the look of the show versus the actual comic, which, if you look at the show versus the comic, they did a remarkably good job matching the actress to look like the way that she does in the comic book. Um, but then they pulled a Chris Nolan and changed her name for no... Real reason. From what I remember from the comic book, there wasn't a whole lot of similarities in terms of story. It was more in terms of like her abilities that were similar. But the gist of the show is you have a girl that becomes a zombie. And she, in order to survive, takes a job working at a morgue. Because there she can eat 
all the brains that she wants without having to succumb to being like your typical like brain dead zombie and she is trying to keep her secret a secret uh and as it turns out she discovers that she has this ability to uh see the like the life or certain events from the people that have died of the brains that she's eating uh, so she's able to help solve crimes for people that have died and so forth. So she ends up teaming with a uh, detective on the show. Um, and I think we're essentially introduced to, Paul and I were talking about this because we watched it together tonight. We're introduced to a trio of uh, characters that seem like they're going to be our leads. We have the the iZombie character. Her name is Olivia. Then we have the, the detective. Um, Paul, what was his name? I forget what his name was. I don't remember Actually, I can't names. remember the other two guys' names. And then you have the brain. I can't remember anyone's name except Liv. Yeah, right. And then we Liv. have... Oh, and Major, her ex-fiance. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because yeah. Major, Major Lily White is his last name. Oh, boy. Because Major is a dumb fucking name. It kind of is, but doesn't it feel like what a kid born in the 2000s, you know, that soft generation, would have that kind of a name? Like, you give him a rank before he achieves anything. What is that all about? It's like handing the trophies to these kids now. Fuck that kid. Right. Majorly. Oh. oh. Clive Babineau. Yeah, is, Babineau. How do we not remember that? Is played by Malcolm Goodwin from Breakout Kings. Excellent television show. Canceled before its time. But I, there what, are what was Breakout Kings. I, I did you watch Breakout Kings? Yeah. What yeah. was it? Big crime movie or crime show? Crime show. It was a group. It was kind of like Suicide Squad. A group of criminals were brought together to help solve crimes to lessen their sentences. Gotcha. And uh, Malcolm Malcolm Goodwin was part of the group of uh, group of criminals also had um, what was her name Serenda Swan Ooh, was on that show as well as Jimmy Simpson from oh, Always Sunny Jimmy Simpson. he's in everything now. also I'm psych so in regards to iZombie I've read the comic book. Matt, you've read the comic book. Not the whole series. Well, I've only read, I think, maybe the first two trades. Not a lot of similarities to the comic book. Right off the bat, you can tell that this is going to be something completely different than maybe what you were expecting. Um, I honestly didn't have a problem with it. It's made by the creators of Veronica Mars. Rob Thomas. Not the Matchbox 20 singer. Not him, unfortunately. But um, Rob Thomas, creator of Veronica Mars, and uh, maybe some other things. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't know what else he's created. But I was a fan of Veronica Mars. This had the same spirit to it. Same really kind of witty, back-and-forth dialogue. Mm -hmm. Really like, likable character. It felt like a CW show. It did, but not... It did it in a good way from... This is a CW house, I think. 
because I like a lot of CW shows. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. Like, and I don't I don't mean that as a bad thing. There's there's early CW when they first became CW after they were UPN um, UPN because it was UPN that merged with WB. WB and then they became CW and then it was some sketchy stuff. Uh, Smallville premiered. During that time, and since Smallville, they've kind of taken the genre and, yeah, show and, and kind of run right. With and it. since when we say since Smallville, that means since Smallville ended. And Smallville ended quite a few years ago now, and Smallville ran for ten seasons. So we're on like year fifteen of the CW now, and now they they seem to have really found an identity of what they want to do, what their shows need to feel like, and. They're doing a great job, you know, between Jane the Virgin this season and The Flash. I mean, they're getting not only fan praise now, they're getting critical fame. I've and heard that a lot of, never got that before. I've heard a lot of good things about The 100. I've never watched The 100, but people say that that's a good show as well as Rain, which is a sort of low-budget Game of Thrones kind of show low budget soapier game of thrones but then you know they still have long-standing staples like supernatural and vampire diaries arrow's even getting up there finishing up its third season at this point so it's kind of a veteran yes uh yeah i i like this first episode i thought it was pretty neat i like that uh there's the way they set up the zombieism I, they they set it up so that it looks like at some point they'll explain. Yeah, it was kind of vague. Where it come, where it's come from, why this is, right? You know, why she's like she is. But at the same time, I don't really care. Right. Yeah. And that was that was my point that I was getting to Sorry. was that. But if they don't, that's fine. They've set up. They've given you just enough that this is what happened. This is why she's like this. Off to the races. Yeah. Like, they, they don't give. This isn't a pilot burdened with origin story. Right. By the time you yeah. get to the halfway point, origin's over. Yep. And then this hour she's show. She's on the case. Yeah. Origin's over. You're into the case. You're into what she's going to be doing for the bulk of her time. Yep. I almost think that it was the first commercial break that you're like, oh wow, all right, we're we're in. The important part is not how we got to being a zombie. It's who she is in her relationship with. The, the other doctor she works with, as well as the detective and her family. Doctor and that, that's the stuff Rabbi that's important. Chakrabarty. Sounds good. Chakrabarty. Chakra. So, yeah, um, I enjoyed it a lot. I watched it with my wife, who didn't read the books, but is a big Veronica Mars person. And over the weekend was like, when's iZombie coming back on? What, what day is that coming back on? Because I want to watch more of it. So I think I, it. I haven't it, read this book either. I think it hooked its core, the the audience that this TV show is shooting for. It got people to uh, tune in and and be interested. I felt like this character seemed very much like Veronica Mars. Oh yeah. And and I was telling Paul like I I want to say it's like it's like a poor man's version, but it's not. It's just another version of Veronica. It's a Mars. dead man's version. It's it's right. It's um an equally charming and likable dare I say even more so it's only been one episode but I like this character I like her a lot 
And I think she's just going to grow on on audiences over time. You're not a big TV person. Is this a show that you'll DVR, make something that you'll sit down and watch? I do DVR a handful of shows, and I watch about half of them, to be honest. I did that with Gotham, and I've only seen five episodes of it because I, I lost interest. I'm afraid I'll lose interest in something like this. But after one, I'm coming back for two. I think it will be good at least for a while. I just hope that it doesn't get too repetitive. I hope that there is a, a solid uh, through line to carry the entire show through. I hope it stays focused. Well, they, I, seem, they seem to set up enough characters in this first episode that it's, you're not just going to be relying on Liv and her job at the morgue. There's definitely something going on with... There's the relationship with her and her brother... With her and her hot friend, her and the ex-fiance. Right. She's clearly going to be dealing with her boss at the morgue and Detective Babineau. And if they the want time. to, There's they can go into relationship. They can go into why she's a zombie and maybe even get into some of the comic book roots and and all of that backstory. Yeah, yeah and they also set up the the bad guy, David right. Anders is and the actor's name. One of the things that I liked about the show right from the very beginning was it had a, I felt, a pretty distinct look. You know, that was one of the things that I really liked about Gotham when it first started. I thought it had a very strong uh, visual identity. And this kind of is the same thing. You know, it's got a very, like, specific way of lighting things. Kind of reminds me of Supernatural in a lot of ways, the earlier seasons. Um, kind of dark with some shadows kind of throughout um there wasn't really anything that I didn't like so far Major Lily White is a terrible name well okay his name was bad his name was bad it's almost so bad that it's it's acceptable Lily White is his last name holy shit he may he may end up being a villain or something, and then we, you know, and if you want diversity, him. this is the show it for you. It really is. It's basically like Shazam's foster home. Yeah. Yeah. One of one of three white males on the show is clearly the murderer. Correct. Even the even the neighbor that lived across the street from the prostitutes seemed to have some kind of ethnicity. It's the world we live in. It is. Look at us. I mean, right now, looking at them. It's true. Every Monday night, can't escape diversity. <laughs> Monday night ver- diversity. So uh, we have a little bit of time left. Uh, I think we can get into one of the mainstays here on the comic or in the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Uh, I think it's Ian's favorite segment. It's called "What You've Been Reading." We don't talk about it that much. We do tease it often, but we usually don't follow through. We didn't tease it tonight, but we're going to give you a little bit. Um, and I, I kind of want to start with Ian, but he looks like confused. He doesn't know what he read recently. So we can jump straight over to Paul and find out, Paul, what you've been reading? I read the final Jeff Johns written issue of the current Superman run this week. Next month is April. It, DC's yeah. convergence starts. So next month, um, 
All the regular DC books are Are we gone. excited about Convergence now that it's almost upon us? Do, like, at first we were a little, eh, not real sure, but, like, now that it's kind of here, are we going to jump in? I'm less excited now than I was before. Because, because now seen... we've seen solicits for what's coming up after. Gotcha. And nothing after Convergence looks like it's going to be any good. Because... Like, I feel like my pull list every week is going to be cut in half. So, we thought we might get some kind of amalgam of titles and characters and things from the new 52 mixed with the old 52 if you will right but going forward it doesn't appear to be either of those things is that is that accurate yeah uh, we're not getting an amalgam of anything and we're getting the current new 52 pushed in a whole new direction. The line's going to be about 45 to 50 books wide. Is half it? of that's going to be current DC continuity, mm-hmm. and half of it's going to be stuff like Bizarro and Prez. New stuff. And Yeah, new stuff. And I love... I'm more interested about the new stuff than anything else, because the new stuff looks like it's trying new things, trying different artwork, mm-hmm. different kinds of storytelling. It's not going to be constrained to any particular continuity. Yeah. But the New 52 stuff, it's like, you know, what can we do here to make these books unrecognizable? Mm-hmm. The Green Lantern book, whose his superpower is his ring, doesn't have a ring. He throws the ring away. Now he has a gauntlet with a big backpack that's a <laughs> reusable battery. Oh, okay. Um Batman doesn't look like it's going to be Bruce Wayne. It's some guy in a giant robotic suit with weird tall rabbit ears. Oh, boy. Um, Wonder Woman's going to be wearing some black Under Armour underneath her regular armor. Right. And have two 90s-ass gauntlets. Yeah. Superman, jeans and a t-shirt guy, buzz cut. Like, they're just pushing everything. I don't know what the fuck to expect. It. It sounds like all of these changes are going to be very short-lived. Uh, but it's it's weird that they would go from convergence to something so unrecognizable before you get back to maybe classic versions of these characters, which they will eventually. I mean, it's just... Yeah. The and, they want, and they want all the writers to try new things. They want to push things. They don't want to be constrained. That's, right. that's the, the bottom line at DC coming out of convergence. Okay. They want to let the writers write push things in different directions, be creative. And gotcha. it's cool. Like, I'm I'm all for that because that's a problem that's that we've had before. But it seems like they're just being crazy for crazy sake. Mm-hmm. But do you like new new directions, new horizons? No, I the don't. The new frontier? I don't. I but, don't want it at all. I want right. Batman the Animated Series told just like that. Just <laughs> Every month, in and out. Forever. Yeah. But um, I read... I read the la- last Jeff Johns written issue of Superman this week, and uh, John Romita Jr. is still on art. He's going to be on art uh, for the indefinite future. Mm-hmm. And it was a really neat standalone issue. It tied into the other Ulysses stories, but basically Superman gets a new power last issue. Right. He, and it's is it called just me, a, by the way, or does it feel like that issue came out about five months ago? It, it feels like forever ago, but, but it was only a month ago. Wow. Okay. New Power is a solar flare where he can expel all of the solar energy his cellular his cellular structure has built up. But 
that leaves him human for about a day. So after he uses this power, right. he can get a paper cut, which he gets in this issue. Oh my. A paper cut. Did it get infected? I don't think so. Oof. So this this issue is one day of Superman comes comes clean to Jimmy. He says, hey, I'm your buddy Clark Kent. I'm also Superman. And it's Jimmy kind of not believing him throughout the issue until he sees him do some Superman stuff at the very end. Um, Why did he a, tell him? Uh, forget it was in the issue before this, which was seemed like it seemed like five months ago. It may as well have been, but it it felt like an old Silver Age story. It felt like an old eighties or nineties story that was just a one and done book. Like you could pick up, read this book, and be done with it. It wasn't tied into any overarching story. Ah, uh, so refreshing. It was sort of, but not enough to really matter. Not to infringe. And it was cool just reading a. A brand new story about what does Superman do if he doesn't have powers for a day? It was it was really neat. It was probably the best the best issue of this disappointing Jeff Johns John Romita Jr. run. So who's going to be on Superman after Convergence? It will be written by Gene Luen Yang. I don't know anything he's done, and drawn by John Romita Jr. Are you going to check it out? Are you going to give it a shot? I'm tempted to just because. Lu and Yang is a completely unknown quantity right. to me. And your know, list is so I don't know what barren now. Right. So, maybe. Is there anything coming out of Convergence that you're excited for? Well, he had said some of the new shit. I think I'm going to get Prez. About that looks the, cool. About the teenage president. And that's drawn by Ben Caldwell, correct? Yeah. 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 It looks The art looks really cool. Yeah. It looks like, a, looks like it could be a neat a artist. Ian, what you been reading? Cool. The last thing that I read that was really good surprised the shit out of me. Deadpool versus X-Force. Oh, old school. You would think that it's old school, but it's actually pretty current. It was from last year. It is a book that retcons Deadpool and Cable's first meeting. It takes place before in the actual history of New Mutants. I think it was like New Mutants 87 or something in real time where they actually met each other. This goes back. It sends Deadpool back into different points throughout American history where he's changing the tide of certain battles so that different events take place and different outcomes um, happen on the battlefield. Cable gets an idea that something strange is going on with the uh, the time, the, the the flow of time. And going into reading this book, yes, you're not a fan of Cable or Deadpool. Neither. Neither. Not a Cable fan, not a so Deadpool fan. So this book fan. has some heavy lift, heavy, heavy weight to lift. Even back in the 90s, they were the most 90s of all Marvel heroes. Wasn't really what, a big fan. What do they have they in common? They were so 90s, they made the 90s look 80s. What do those two characters have in common? They're dumb. A creator. A creator. Rob Liefeld is the creator of both of these characters. Granted, what you said was redundant. <laughs> so you were right. Yes. So, Cable assembles his band of, at this point it was New Mutants, and travels back in time to these different points in history to try to stop Deadpool. One of the things that I really... The art in this book 
was really, really great. I forget who the artist is, and my iPad just died on me. But I was dead? It, it ran out of juice, because I was using it most of the day today. Great art. Really enjoyed the version of Deadpool that's presented in this book. He's not an over-the-top, slapsticky goofball. He, he comes off as a ninja assassin, that makes some jokes here and there. Isn't Would, that the way he was originally presented? Could be. But over time, I think he's been more of a clown yeah. than somebody that is a deadly force to be reckoned with. Right. I know that in the current series, Uncanny X-Force, Rick Remender writes him as somebody that's pretty, pretty lethal, but just has sort of some funny things to say here and there. And that's sort of the version that I prefer of Deadpool. Yeah. So it was a short five-issue miniseries. But I saw even in the the panel of the week on Sauce's suggestions on McSauce.com. Go to McSauce.com and check that he out. He says some dog shit about a chimichanga. It was... So that was apparently always part uh, of his shtick. Yeah, in, in the context of that book, he doesn't say anything goofy does like that. Does he break the fourth wall in this book? Yeah, he does. I think that's Deadpool shtick. But in so the that, but like that stuff is part of cartoony Deadpool to me. But apparently this is this is always part of him. This isn't something that's grown out of this new weird fascination with this garbage character. Right, right. Okay, just checking. Uh, are you saying that I have a new weird fascination? No, I'm not. Like I I thought like the way you were explaining it was like Deadpool used to be pretty cool, but now. He's always breaking the fourth wall. He's saying weird shit like Chimichanga. But this was all part of... It was all part of that. It was just toned down, so he felt... In, in, this, it's, in this, it was a little bit more toned down. I thought... He still said some wacky stuff here and there. But this was at the end of a pretty serious battle between Cable, where he had him on the ropes. He was about to kill this dude. And he threw in some zinger at the, end, at the cliffhanger end of a comic. So it was cool to also see the costumes, the X-Force costumes that were created in the 90s. They weren't updated necessarily, but they just looked a little better mm -hmm. handled by a more skilled artist, mm -hmm. I thought. So if if you kind of like 90s comic books at all, it was a short five series. Five issue series. Five issue series. Quick read, fun read. At the end, they kind of rewrite some. They use some Liefeld panels with the first meeting of Cable oh, and cool. Deadpool, and they rewrite some of the dialogue where, <laughs> where Deadpool goes into like, "Hey, you know, I, you know, we met a couple issues ago," and it's <laughs> kind of funny, fourth wall breaking, but still humorous. So that's what I've been reading: Deadpool versus X Force. Matt, I read a few things. Um, and I brought a few things, but the one that I kind of want to talk about is Spawn Resurrection. Uh, this is kind of a weird thing. Spawn Resurrection number one uh, came out this past week, and what it is, is it's basically Spawn 251. I have no idea why they relaunched this as a one shot it, it says literally on the cover one shot but it has number one on it this is a story that has the new creative team with paul jenkins writing and ian tell me who's the artist on that 
John Boy? John Boy. Now, I, I was pretty excited that, you know, this is a new direction with Spawn. It's the return of Al Simmons, who came back in Spawn 250. And going forward with Spawn 251, it's going to follow Al Simmons' um, story again, who has been dead for, like, I think it's been over 50 issues, so it's been a while. He's been out of the comic book altogether, and frankly, I didn't think he was going to come back. This felt like a more definitive character death to me. Um, maybe Donatello will be gone even longer. But when I started reading it, I, I could almost, and I hate when this happens, I hate when I read something and I don't feel like I'm reading characters. I feel like I'm reading the author. Hate it. Hate it. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're it's talking like about. It's like I could read a letters column by that author, and it's like, okay, that's you. Brian Michael Bendis, huge offender. Mark Miller, big offender. That's what turned me off of the current Guardians of the Galaxy book. Yeah. I wasn't reading Tony Stark or Star-Lord. I was reading... Bendis. Every, right. every panel. Everyone sounded the same. Um, Eric Larson, big offender. Although I used to like what he had to say, but maybe as I got older and started to be able to think a little bit more for myself, I liked what he had to say less and less. But Did Spawn always have teeth? No, this is a brand new look for Spawn. He now has like a mouth that opens. Um, like it's like the opposite of what has happened to Venom. Venom started out; he had this huge mouth, these and crazy he's, teeth. That's now he has a black just, suit. Honestly, black that's suit. hilarious because Venom is a mercenary with guns and pouches. Yep. I, I never know. thought of it like that, but that's one hundred percent what's happening. I have a hard time taking any writer or artist seriously who does not have a real name. Like John Boy. Like John Boy yeah. or Criss Cross. Milks was another one. Oh. Yeah, anyone that has... Mobius? Hmm? Hmm? No? Hmm? Sure, I don't know who that is, but uh, I don't like him. That dude's garnered so much critical... Opinion. Famous... Um, I, I feel like... Heavy Metal, I believe. Mm, Mobius I feel like if you're going to have a weird name like that, you better be fucking good. Criss Cross of Senior Hanks. They're standard. Mm -hmm. You're not, like, Mobius is critically acclaimed. Any comic professional strokes themselves to Mobius. I think his stuff's fucking goofy. I don't like it. But I understand how good it is. But John Boy here, you should probably be calling yourself, like, John, John Thomas or whatever the fuck your real name is. You're not cool enough to be John Boy, son. Well, here's the thing that I wanted to point out. Paul, go to the credits page there in the front. Yeah. And you know how I was saying that you can, like, read the... You're not reading the characters, you're reading the writer. Look at the bottom of those credits. What is Todd McFarlane credited for doing? Additional dialogue. There you go. I feel like Paul Jenkins wrote a story. And I'm not a big Paul Jenkins fan. Frankly... He's let me down more than he's impressed me over the years. And I've read a decent amount of things by him, both from DC, he's written some Spider-Man. Nothing that I would say is terrible. This Spawn book might be terrible. It, Yikes. 
But I don't know if I want to put the blame on him because I truly felt like I was reading McFarlane. This book was such an incredible self-serving commentary on like the leftist agenda um, of you know this country and, and using like current events and like really controversial things like you know the riots in Ferguson and like the shooting of innocent black men or whatever and it just felt like so incredibly like self-serving and self-indulgent and, and I was just so turned off I wanted to read Spawn and instead I'm reading Todd McFarlane's feelings on current events I couldn't have been more sickened by in what a, I was reading. In a similar vein, uh, there's a webcomic called Least I Could Do that's daily. So I'll check it out every day. And it's, it's you know silly dick and fart jokes a, a lot of the time. But for the past week, like the entire week, was this main character addressing Congress. And it was clearly the writer of the mm -hmm. comic airing his grievances with the way the United States government is running their worldview. Right. And I'm like, you know what? Draw is me some weird fucking penis. Like, I don't, I don't fucking give a shit how you think we handle foreign mm -hmm. policy badly. It's not funny. And it he tries to inject some comedy into those strips, but it just wasn't getting it. It, it, it wasn't getting it done. The, the focal point of the strips wasn't the comedy which is what it should be, it was, this is what I think the United States should be doing. And the it stopped today. They're on a different stuff today, which, thank fucking God, because it was torture last week. That's so, more of a webcomics, a writer's prerogative to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, because he, he can't. those kind of things reflect more personally than, say, Al Simmons in a, a, a spawn. A comic book that has a 20-plus a year history... I mean, there, there is different a writers, set. different creators, all over the board. But one thing that this comic book is not is it's not a political soapbox. Yes, they've dabbled in it in the past, but like this was so over the top, heavy handed, and it was so clear what the agenda was in it. I was just, I couldn't. I just, I hate politics. I hate hearing about them. I hate both sides because they're both full of shit. This particular and, panel of the cop and riot gear. I didn't even read the word balloon, but like just looking at the rest of the, the page, cop is evil. This cop is clearly like, I am going to kill some black folks. Exactly. Tonight. Come on. It it's really that's really the look. Obnoxious. I know that look. <laughs> <laughs> and and I I wanted to love it. I was like, here we go. Spawn new story. Al Simmons is back. The cover's cool. Here we go. And instead, I got that, and I was I couldn't have been more disappointed. I, yeah, and I understand the difference between a webcomic and something like Spawn, but I was just relating that I've read the same kind of thing recently. You know what, though, Paul? heavy-handed political commentary. Spawn isn't all that popular, like, more popular than a webcomic these days. It's not to do with the popularity, it's just that... I know, I was making a joke at Spawn's expense. Yeah, but at the, in, this, in, the, in similar veins... That guy has total control of at least I can do. McFarlane has total control over this. Well, look at his his influence. Like he gave himself a credit in the intro page as offering additional dialogue. Like what kind of do you egomaniac? Think, do you think? Well, 
you guys know him better than I do, but do you think he did that, or was, or did he Paul, did or did Paul Jenkins say, "Hey, man, this isn't all my work. Maybe you should put some credit in here." I'm sure he did that. I'm. I think so too. I'm sure <laughs> Paul Jenkins. What I do about. My guess is Paul Jenkins said, "Hey, that's cool. Whatever you want to do." But McFarlane probably said, "Hey, this is what I think I should do." Just the nature. Or just of, did it. The nature of comic strips, be they web, web comics or syndicated comics, those are more personal reflections of the author. I'm less offended when somebody stands on their soapbox in a comic strip than in a comic book. It's just more. It's totally sort of the way. I mean, that's that's how you're getting your voice out there, and it's okay if you take a week to. And we've seen it with Aaron Magruder. We've seen it with everyone, almost. I mean, they're. Oh, I don't know if. Uh... Jim Davis. We've seen it with really Mc, spoke about. We've seen know, it with McSauce. It's very. It's a very common thing in a comic strip. Penny Arcade comic. sometimes but, can do but some usually, stuff like that. Granted, Penny Spawn, Arcade doesn't do that. Penny not, Arcade not, does like not a not a week, but gamer commentary. They don't. They don't do political shit. They still voice their opinion in a way that comes through as it's it's clearly. Them saying, yeah, but I digress. It's clearly, it's clearly their opinion, but it's not like it's not. It's more appropriate in that form than in comic. It's more form. appropriate to if they're going to talk about this is my opinion about about you know what EA EA is doing with their games at this point. Oh or if we're like, I'll just bring up video games on his own, Ugh. or because that's what Penny Arcade does. They're okay. a video game webcomic, and like if we're like this is. This is how we feel about DC. Like, we, me and you, and the Penny Arcade guys don't need to be talking about how we should be handling China or the Middle East. But if like, we, that's not for that form. But if we wanted... But but isn't it? That's the form that you chose to speak right. and use and express yourself. Yeah, Who's to say you're not allowed to do that? And that's you're the our creator. authorship. That's our creation. And we can totally do that. Spawn is McFarlane's authorship and creation. He can do it too. We don't have to like it. Correct. Correct. However, to this point, there has been an established precedent, and this bullshit isn't in it. 250 issues, 20 plus years. Don't don't slap me in the face. Like I'm an excited uh, return. Well, I've been here all along, but like I haven't really been excited about Spawn. But my excitement has returned. Here I am, getting back to reading a character that. I loved as a kid growing up. Here I am, I open the comic book and I am slapped in the face with your political agenda. Do you what feel is like that? this was a one and done issue and by the time the next one comes out they'll be back into more standard spawn story? That's a possibility and I'm holding out hope. I, I won't write this character or book off after just this one bad experience, but they will not get another chance after this if the next issue is like this one. I will, I will drop it like, what do you drop fast? A hot potato. I'm going to drop it like a hot potato. Like it's hot, sharply. Nothing I've dropped faster than a potato that I was like, oh, this is going to be lukewarm. No, it's hot! Right on the floor. Right. That's going to do it for tonight. What better way to end than with the hot potato? My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharply.